Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to Secure the Insecure, the podcast of I set okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. My guest this week can currently be seen on Amazon Prime's The Three Drinkers alongside Helena and Nick Klim. He's currently going around the island sampling the very best food and drink and talking about it with his expertise. But away from the show, he's not just a wine expert for the Evening Standard, he's a TV presenter and he helps to highlight diversity in the LGBT and mental health communities. That's his career, that's his professional side. And I met him a couple of weeks ago. And during a conversation, he told me that he had Tourette's syndrome. And it's a syndrome that affects 30,000 people in the UK. I know about Tourette's from Pete Bennett, who was on Big Brother back, what was probably about 2006. And you obviously get the interviews on this morning on ITV. You know, someone with really loud noises, someone who's really hyper, someone who's got these really manic mannerisms. But that isn't just what Tourette's syndrome is. That's a version of it. It's almost like a scapegoated version of it. And so when I was having this conversation with him, I was really interested in just how it affects him because it's so different to what I've seen on TV. I'm delighted to welcome to Sigurdian Skirt to educate me, to educate you, A.D. Smith. Hello, A.D. Hello there. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. Because I met you a couple of weeks ago and we just had this most amazing conversation. I thought this needs to be a common podcast. You know when people go, we need to make a podcast of it. No, we, we, we actually do. We actually do. I love that. I love it. Well, well, thank you. I mean, as you've kind of highlighted there, people do think that Tourette's syndrome is just one thing. They think that it's essentially swearing. If you go to a random person on the street and say, hi, have you heard of Tourette's syndrome before? They go, yeah, yeah, that's that swearing disability, isn't it? And the actuality is that only 10 to 15% of people who have Tourette's syndrome have what's known as coprolalia. And coprolalia is the, the kind of notion of inappropriate gestures. So it might be swearing, it might be sticking a finger up, it might be something that is deemed inappropriate in society. But, you know, 85 to 90% of people with Tourette's syndrome do not have that element. Some of them may have it in childhood as their tics come out, and we can walk through the kind of timeline of Tourette's as well throughout this. But, you know, it, we're kind of labelled with this, this sticker that we all swear. And that has caused a huge, huge kind of back step for people with threats. 50% of people with threat syndrome would not and do not apply for jobs 
because we just feel like at the fir- very first stage of that job interview or the first stage of application, we're going to get a big red no because people just don't think they can handle folks with this disability. So it's, there's a lot going on. And there's that danger of the swearing. You know, that's what we think of Tourette's, excessive swearing. And therefore it's, well, can I trust you to go on air and present yourself that I won't have to worry about Ofcom fines, for example. And we look at a show like EastEnders and soap operas in general, but EastEnders in particular has always focused on bipolar disorder for the past 10 years with Gene Slater. That is a representation of having manic episodes of depression and manic episodes of happiness. We've never had that for Tourette's on a soap opera or in a drama. And so it's very hard to relate to it because we don't know what it's like. And like I said at the top, unless you're on This Morning or it was Pete Bennett on Big Brother, it's very hard to, number one, relate, but number two, not to just scapegoat Tourette's syndrome as all being one. Oh, completely. And I mean, if we talk about media representation of Tourette, let's talk about a couple of different instances where it has come up outside of what you've mentioned there. One is the undateables. So what's that going to do? That's essentially showing you that anyone with Tourette's can't date someone and that's why they need to go on a show like this because they're abnormal, they're weird. Let's kind of get a circus freak show act together and try and match them up with someone. So the undateable, that's number one. Number two is comedy sketches. So you'll notice that Tourette's syndrome seems to be the only disability that I can think of where both society and comedians think they've just got this green pass to take the mickey out of. And you see this time and time again with comedians. But here's the thing. There are countless kids who every year are killing themselves and committing suicide because of the the strain of Tourette's, the sheer bullying, the pain because of the tics. And society just laughs at this disability. So when there's these kids out there who desperately need the, the help and the education and awareness of the world, all they get is being shunned, put in a corner and laughed at like they're this not even human being. And that results in some pretty horrible things. So that's number two, comedians. And then number three, you'll see in some movies, like The Predator, which came out a couple of years ago. I think it was um, the third movie in line of The Predator series. And they just have a character that has not really much of a purpose in the show other than to, every now and again, come out with some ludicrous, obscene comment, whether they're swearing or whether they're, you know, just saying some rude, random remark to someone. And it has zero context in the entirety of the movie other than to make the audience laugh. And so, yeah, it's, again, this comedic effect. Um, Documentaries that come out only focus on people who have the absolutely worst symptoms, and it's got to be very troubling for them. Um, But at the same time, it doesn't represent what the real Tourette's is. And so when people watch that documentary, it's usually for entertainment factor, the fact that all these ticks are at the, the worst end of the spectrum, the general public and the audience walk away with thinking, ah, right, that's what Tourette's is. Um, it's like looking at autism and saying that every single person with autism has the worst example and form of autism and the biggest hardships you could possibly think of. But we know that's not the case. We know there's a spectrum. And it's exactly the same with Tourette's syndrome. And we know there's a perverse incentive as well of celebrating National Autistic Day, National Anorexic Day, National Tourette's Day. And it's creating an awareness, but as you say, it's always with a negative slant. As a TV presenter yourself, how have you found your career? Well, I mean, where to start? When I was a kid, before any of my tics came about, I was a child actor. So I worked on a show which was commissioned by Sesame Street and CITV. I was working alongside Matthew Lewis, who played Neville Longbottom in Harry Potter. And life was sweet. Life was amazing. I was going to an acting school. I was picking all the major, picking up all the major roles in theatre productions. 
and I loved it. I was following my passion of acting at that point in time. Then ticks started kicking in around the age of seven years old, just as I was completing series two of this show. And as soon as my, my ticks started manifesting themselves, so I had a cough, I had a, a, like a loud whoop noise where I kind of go whoop. I had a, a bit of a, a concealed scream. I had a bit of a, a hop, so I kind of hop on one foot. And, you know, these, these ticks that were starting to come out were noticed at my acting school. And at that point, I was immediately cut off from being able to be put forward for any future roles. All the leading roles I'd had, I was now more of a background role. All the different acting jobs I'd been put forward for, no chance whatsoever. Those opportunities didn't even come my way. And it was a case of in theatre productions, the other kids, because they didn't understand what this was, were basically telling me off and telling me that I was ruining the show because of my noises um, when I was backstage. So I quit. And I, I stopped doing something that I had a massive passion for. Fast forward into life, and there's been several opportunities which I've tried over time to put myself forward for. Terrestrial will have none of it, because as far as they're concerned, people who twitch or have tics are a waste of production budget. It only, you know, you've got so much money to do so many takes, and if you get someone with Tourette's on, then, well, of course they're going to ruin all of that, because there's this complete misunderstanding of, of what the syndrome is. I've even been told by radio producers when I've been put forward as someone with Tourette's in the spotlight trying to debunk the myth about swearing, etc. I've even been told, my publicist has been told, oh, sorry, we can't have him on because we can't have swearing on. And my publicist is saying, well, hold on a minute. That's exactly why we want to get him on. He doesn't swear. He's representing the, the reality of Tourette's syndrome and telling everyone's story, which includes... 85 to 90% of people who have the syndrome but don't swear, and you're doing exactly the opposite by you know, continuing the stigma and misrepresentation. So my career has been massively affected by it, and I still find today that there, there is a huge lack of awareness. I would argue that threat syndrome is quite possibly one of, if not the most misunderstood disability in, in, on the planet, and people just don't get it. And that's why I wanted to bring you on the podcast, because it's such an important topic, because we don't have the knowledge. We don't. And I, uh, it's interesting what you say, because I've met you, and you said to me that when you have your Tourette's and you know it's going to flare up, you're able to control it, because you're able to have a focus. So us speaking right now, you're focused, you're in the zone. And so I know I can trust you. And as a radio producer myself, I know I can trust you to go on air, and we're going to be aligned with Ofcom and we're not going to get um, any fines. I know that. But you're right. For those that don't know that, it's very hard. And there isn't that awareness because you're not visible on TV. And we've made a big thing about visibility when it comes to diversity. And there's been certain diversities focused on. But not enough on mental health illnesses, I feel still. Oh, completely, completely. And I would say that just to add to what, what you said before that, you know, people with Tourette's syndrome, I'd say... <sighs> We, we can and we can't control ticks. It's an interesting one. It's, it's about the situation that we're in. So when I'm with you on air or chatting now, I'm focusing on something that I really enjoy doing. This is my passion. And I'm in a very comfortable place talking to you right now. And one thing that no one kind of can get their head around when it comes to people with Tourette's is, if you think about it, we have all this abundance of energy within us. And that energy, because of certain dopamine levels, that energy is turned into these ticks that we have. So these, these vocal twitches or these motor twitches that we have. Now, if we are doing something that we really, really enjoy doing and we're in the zone, it's one of our passions, all that excess energy, instead of being diverted into the ticks, 
is diverted into the task at hand, into that particular thing that we're doing. And that's why people who have Tourette's syndrome, who are super creative or have a certain passion or skill, they can soar on a whole other level that the general you know, society just could not. And there's countless examples of people who have Tourette's who are doing just that. Billie Eilish, for example, you know, huge singer. There's various actors and comedians. There's a gentleman who's over in the States who is a, a surgeon working on very microscopic surgery. Now, when he's not in the surgery, he has a bit of a hand twitch. But when he's there in the theater, he is so in control of what he is doing because of this passion that, again, his tics completely disappear. Now, you know, when I'm, when I'm on camera and I'm filming, the tics are very, very, um, you know, you, you can't see them. You can't see them. You'd have to look pretty closely to see them. When I go off stage and the adrenaline's kicked in and I've got loads of emotions, slightly different story because now I'm not on camera. I'm in, back in, you know, the reality of the world and I've got this massive adrenaline rush which is causing dopamine levels to move around my body and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting one. And if you, you look at some of the research that's been done by kind of business management um, societies and communities out there and different polls and statistics, there was one particular one that was done with management and leadership folks. And they looked at this study about people with disabilities and by far the largest disability that these managers said that they would not hire because they felt they couldn't control them was Tourette's syndrome. And it was about 35% of all the managers in this huge study that was done said they just point blank wouldn't hire someone with Tourette's because they felt that they couldn't manage them based on what they knew about Tourette's syndrome. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, 50% of all those who are diagnosed with Tourette's don't apply for jobs because they, they're kind of following suit with that. They don't think they're ever going to get a job. A lot more needs to be done for mental health and, and these, these disabilities in general to paint the real picture of what they are because we as a community looking at the Tourette's syndrome world are incredibly productive and efficient people. And if a company was to hire us based on a passion that we have, oh my goodness, the amount of things that we could do for them and, and the benefits that would come to that company as a result would outweigh massively any form of minor disruption that may happen. So it's, it's all about looking at you know, the, the positives as well as the potential obstacles that may come along. But as you know, everyone just loves to focus on the negativity of a situation the whole time in, in this world and this day and age that we have, sadly. And, and that's it. Because it's so negative, when it is a condition like Tourette's, it isn't just an isolated mental health illness. It stems and goes further than that and can lead to anxiety and depression and OCD potentially as well because of, number one, the chemicals in the brain, but as you said, environmentally as well. If it's not being able to get a job emotionally, that could set you back, that rejection, which could lead to depression. So how's your mental health been affected on the side away from the Tourette's? I mean, we look at this and we call this the iceberg effect. So, you know, you see me in person and even afterwards, if my tics were coming out a little bit, the tics are about 10% of what Tourette's syndrome is. And all the other things, as you pointed out, a couple of them there, underneath the iceberg, the other 90% is insomnia. Because t people who tick, when we're in bed, if I've had a bit of a stressful day and my mind is thinking about something, for the everyday person, you know, they're stressed, they're up because their mind is, is going away and thinking about various things. But now add ticks to that as well. So if I'm desperately trying to sleep and I'm stressed and my ticks are there, 
the average person would probably take them an hour and a half, two hours to drift off. For folks like me, it can take, you know, four or five hours. Um, we often have to take something like CBD or something to calm us down a little bit just to fall asleep. So insomnia is a massive one. Oh, gosh, anxiety and depression can definitely kick in with, with the societal kind of misinformation that's out there. It, it can be very difficult to navigate this world in certain circumstances. Um, OCD definitely comes out as well to some degree. Uh, we, yeah, we call these the co-occurring conditions. Um, ADHD can be present. They say that around 80% of people with Tourette's syndrome will have one of these co-occurring conditions at some point in their life, um, whether it be external factors or whether it be directly related to whatever's going on in the brain. Um, and that's one thing that people don't think about, pain as well. With certain tics, I mean, when I was a kid, I had a particular tick where I would throw my neck back in the air. And I got whiplash because I was doing it so many times. But when you go to the hospital or, you know, you, you get one of the very few appointments that you can actually get because there's so little care and so few specialists in the country, you are basically just sent away with this tick box solution. So it was, all right, well, what pills can we give him to try and stop this? Not how can we make life better so he's a little bit more comfortable? And I remember going home after I got my diagnosis and sitting down at the table and a box of pills was put in front of me, one of these Monday to, fr or Monday to Sunday box of pills. And I kid you not, every single day had about 15 different tablets in it that I was being asked to take. Not even asked, basically forced to take. And the biggest one was the size of kind of a small pebble. And I was expected at the age of about 10 years old to swallow this massive pill. I remember sitting there at the table, crying and gipping, and my eyes were so red. I had spit kind of falling out my mouth because I was just, I was absolutely beside myself. I couldn't deal with this. And to put kids through this kind of, there's something wrong with you, take this so that you can be normal. That's the mentality that we have. And we need to get away from that. In the UK, I think we've got three specialist people and centers for Tourette's syndrome. Now, you compare that with something like autism, where there are hundreds across the country with massive government funding. And you look at the fact that 1% of the entire population has Tourette's syndrome or a tick-related disorder versus 1.7% with autism. We're talking about a 0.7% difference here. But this disability seems to just be so disregarded and doesn't get any awareness, education, attention at all from the governmental bodies. And it's supposed to be, OK, well, if you don't want to take the medication, join a local Facebook group, get a course of CBT therapy, go and talk to a counsellor. But if you're eight, nine, ten years old, you're not going to understand what that is. And especially if you think about a course like CBT, You've got to be at an age where you really understand that. And that could actually become in your 20s or even your 30s to really understand the benefits of CBD. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Because at the age of 10... I wouldn't have even known what mental health was. Maybe that would have changed because there's education in schools now, but I know at that age I wouldn't have known what it was and therefore I wouldn't have understood what a negative thought is compared to a positive thought. Oh, completely. And I think that is one of the massive hardships. You know, again, it goes back to this tick box solution. Okay, right, there's an issue here. Give them the CBT course. And, you know, I took CBT about two years ago. Well, during lockdown. As many people did, many, many people, I had a massive panic attack for the first time, literally thought that I was dying. I even filmed a goodbye video to my family and friends because I genuinely thought that I was having an aneurysm or something. Thankfully, I wasn't, but that panic attack meant that I had to then go and, and take steps in my life to do something. So I took a CBT course, and it really wasn't that helpful. Because it's one of these courses that instead of being tailored to the individual, it's just, you know, a general thing that you take. And then it's a case of, okay, we've done that. They'll be better now. Here's some extra booklets on your way. And I appreciate that, you know, the the healthcare services is burdened and they don't get enough finance. And that throughout lockdown, there'll be so many people who are in a similar position to myself. And I get that. I just think that you know, the medical profession in general needs to stop looking at Tourette's syndrome from their perspective and start asking the people with Tourette's syndrome what they actually need to help them in their lives. And to your point, the difference between a child and an adult is massive. One thing that I have noticed is that many other disabilities have people out there who embrace that disability. It's a part of them. It is not over-consuming and it's not everything that they are. It's a part of them and they embrace it. And that is exactly what I'm trying to do for the Tourette's syndrome world because there, there's no one else out there with Tourette's who is constantly banging the drum on a very, very large platform to try and help people really embrace what they have. You know, I don't look at my Tourette's syndrome as a weakness. I, I look at it as a superpower for the very reasons I said that all this excess energy, when we find our passions and we put this energy into our passions, we take off and we become superheroes in that particular field. What we need to do is help find these kids 
help them find their superpower and their passion. If we can help them find that passion, they're going to really realize that they're not a failure. They're not a detriment to society, despite what everyone around them might think. They're not going to be claiming benefits for the rest of their lives because they can't find a job. They're going to find something that they love, become amazing at it, be able to showcase that skill to future employers who will snap them up in a heartbeat because they can see how good they are. And they'll finally embrace what they have, not as a weakness, but as this incredible superpower. That is exactly what I'm trying to get across to the world. But then it's that thing of, do you want that label to be, hi, I'm A.D. Smith, I've got Tourette's? Or would you rather go, look, I'm A.D. Smith, get to know me as a person? You know, think of it as simple as a dating profile. It's like you go on a dating profile, you don't say, hi, I'm A.D. Smith, I've got Tourette's, as you're opening a line. You say, hi, I'm A.D. Smith, get to know you, blah, 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 a year down the line. Oh, by the way, I have got Tourette's, if you hadn't realised yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it usually will come out when I'm in bed with someone for the first time, um, you know, sleeping at night, because if I've got a tick or a twitch, the first thing I'm asked is, have you got hiccups? Uh, it's a fine line between if at that point I obviously know them well enough, I'm going to want to open up and, and tell them a little bit about it. You're spot on. You wouldn't put something like that on a dating profile. Um, the only reason why you might is if you have severe, severe ticks and you want to set up someone's expectations and reality of the situation from the get-go. Because you don't want someone to walk into a room and be really surprised and feel uncomfortable and, and whatnot, because that's only going to make you feel you know, bad yourself. So some people choose to say, um, you know, no, I have Tourette's and I have ticks and twitches. So the person who's going to go on a date with them or meet up with them is like, okay, cool, I, that's fine. I expect that, and when I get there, that's, that's going to be what it is. And sadly... There's a lot of people out there who can't deal with situations like that. And I'm sure that there's examples. In fact, there are examples of people who have gone out on dates with folks and they've not disclosed from the beginning that they've got Tourette's. Their ticks have come out a bit and the other person has just left midway through the date because they found the situation so awkward. And so it's, it is a bit of a hit missing. I mean, my, my public profile and the fact that people know that I have got Tourette's if I match with someone on a particular dating app, for example, and we set up a date, well, we all Google one another's names these days to make sure that they're, you know, not a serial killer or there's nothing amiss going on. And so, sadly, when people do that with myself and then they're uneducated about exactly what it is, they assume that I'll just be shouting out obscenities in a restaurant or at a bar or, or wherever. And I have a lot of people cancel dates for that reason. But then you've got to think to yourself, why on earth would I even want to go on a date with someone like that who is so quick and easy to judge? Because that's not the type of person who I want to spend the rest of my life with anyway. Exactly that. You know, if you don't want to accept me from who I am now, why would you want to accept me down the line? You know, it's, it's just not fair like that. So, so what does need to happen then? So let's break this down a little bit more, AD. What needs to happen to make the understanding, and not just we need more representation in the media, what specifically needs to happen to you? Is it the access? Is it the NHS needs to provide more? Is it that there need to be more centres? And not just a case of, well, go on Facebook and speak to the same people who are like you in a group and you can share advice to each other. I think it needs to start with more specialists who can diagnose people at an earlier age. 50% of people who have Tourette syndrome remain undiagnosed because they just can't get the help. My tics came on at the age of seven. I wasn't diagnosed until the age of 10. So it took three, nearly four years for me to get a diagnosis, and I'm not alone. 
it's taking a lot of people up to that amount of time. And until you get that diagnosis, you can't receive treatment and help for things that you might need. So you can't get that additional you know, hypnotherapy or CBT or whatever it might be with, with cognitive behavioral sciences and whatnot to, to help ticks and to help the general situation. And, and also, you've got to remember that it's not just the kids who are going through things. It's also the parents because when when a child has quite a severe disability, the parents' lives are affected as well. And they've got to still earn an income to provide for the family. So how can they do that whilst making sure that the mental health of their child and the well-being is looked after too? So more specialist centres, absolutely, that's for one. To, to get away from these old-school thinking patterns of just ram a bunch of pills down their throat and they'll be okay, let's ask the community what they need and what they want and from there help figure out the best route to allowing kids to feel more comfortable. If we feel more comfortable in ourselves, then our ticks tend to go down. If we feel stressed and that we hate ourselves because of this burden we are on society, our ticks are worse. That leads me to the next point. We need to stop laughing at jokes about Tourette's. We don't laugh at people with Parkinson's. We don't laugh at people in wheelchairs or amputees or people with cancer. We don't laugh or find these jokes funny because it's inhumane. So why would we therefore go and laugh at someone with Tourette's syndrome? I look at this in the same way as being homophobic or racist because it's anti-disability. And if we look at all these other jokes that are said where it kicks up a huge fuss because, quite frankly, any joke about something like this is so uncalled for. Why are we allowing it with this particular disability? So as a general population, we need to stop finding the humour in Tourette's syndrome and recognise that it is a real disability that is causing a lot of upset. And as I mentioned earlier, people are killing themselves because of this bullying because they cannot take it. So that's another thing we, we massively need. Education from a younger age. 1% of the entire population has Tourette syndrome. Let's educate in schools from a young age so that it's normalized. So it's not, oh, what's wrong with you? And the odd went out and bullying someone. It's just, okay, they've got this. Cool, whatever. It, it's 1% of the population has it. It's normal. It's just part of life. That's it. It's part of the general population of people. We're all, you know unique and special in our own wonderful ways. This person just happens to have ticks. Cool. Okay, moving on. And so I'd say that there's some of the major things. I mean, obviously, governmental funding is, is something else that we, we need. We need just as much funding as other disabilities with the same prevalence rate. 1% of the entire population here, 1.7% for autism, but we just receive no funds. Our funds pale in comparison. It's all private charities who are trying to pave the way for change. So I'd say they're some of the major things that need to take place. And it's very interesting because in the world we are in now, post-pandemic, post-Brexit, we're in this very much of a cancel culture world, you know, pronouns for those and the way we speak about people, obviously Black Lives Matter and what happened there. And then you look at what happens in schools and how traditional the curriculum is. And it's almost like we've now got an endless list of things that we've all wanted to have on the education system that just never happens. So when it's mental health or and all the intricacies around that, because I know you're obviously a wine expert, but we got told about drugs, about alcohol, about sex. But we never had those classes that actually meant something to us at that age. And I think that's also a massive thing is just changing that curriculum. You know, we don't necessarily need to learn every subject that we're learning at the moment. Obviously, maths, English, science, very important. 
But there's some subjects we do that we should just have a bit more of a choice. And actually, if you want to be a bit reflective at that age and you want to learn about mental health at that age, then it should feel fine to do. Because I think it's very much stigmatised until you're much older and until you actually understand what's going on once you've seen it, not when you've prepared yourself for it. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I look at my particular, you know, growing up, I'm 31 now, and I remember being in school and all I got was sex education. And the one guest or two guests who we had who came in, one was a former alcoholic who was telling us about the dangers of of alcohol and what it can do. And the other person had HIV and was telling us about, you know, how you can be careful with, with your sexual life. And that was it. But none of these other incredibly important things, like there was nothing surrounding racism at all, nothing. And I, you know, I lived in, in Bradford, which, I mean, if we, if we look at the kind of Brexit votes and whatnot, I won't go into it massively, but certain communities in the country voted for the wrong reasons and were an education platform put in place at a much younger age, and we embraced other cultures for who they are and other ethnicities, then I think that there would have been a very different story. And so I think it's imperative that we do have certain classes that are put into place at a younger age where kids can choose which elements of those they want to look into or it's something that comes along over the course of a couple of different years. And so they can delve into all these different things from different ethnicities and understanding them to LGBTQIA plus elements to disability diversity. You know, I think that it's incredibly important I completely agree with you. Well, look, that's you and Tourette's, and it's such an important topic, and I can't thank you enough for that, and I can't thank you enough as well for bringing those statistics alive for us and under, being able to understand what has gone on. But away from that, like I said at the top, you're on Amazon Prime's The Three Drinkers with Helena, your dear friend. Let's talk about the show as well, if that's okay with you. Amazon Prime, we know it for the big American shows. They don't really take much British shows. Obviously, they took the Grand Tour away from Top Gear when Clarkson having a mail left. But it's not known for their original British content. And you're one of those very few shows that another one done it, another two have become such a success that you're a worldwide show. Thank you. That, that means a lot. You know, when Helena and I, we came up with with this idea about four years ago, and it all came from this notion of whenever we look at TV shows about drinks, it's someone swirling a glass and talking about how, oh, I'm getting a lot of black currant from this, and there's a, a distinct earthiness with robust black pepper notes. And we thought, oh, God, no, let's move away from that. That's why people think that anyone who has an interest in wine or spirits is, you know, snobbish or has this hierarchical perception of life. But that's not the case. I think about 80% of the UK drink on a regular basis. That's having one drink per week or more. So, you know, 80%-ish of the, the whole of the UK care about what's in their glass. They, they like this element of drinking alcohol. So how can we capture the more entertaining side rather than educational side of booze and put that on the screen? But more than that, turn it into a travel show where people can also check out food and people and places and culture. So our first show was based in Scotland where we discovered you know, the wonders of Scotch whiskey and we went around the, the entirety of Scotland looking at the different kind of tours and things you could do. We delved into some beautiful local Scottish food and we really looked at what Scotch was. We went over to Ireland for this next series and we did everything from checking out 
the vodka and the whiskey and the gin to going eel fishing, to gutting monkfish, to something called bog snorkeling, where you wade through bogs and race one another. So, you know, we, we really <laughs> went for the Irish culture, the heart of Irish culture. We, we went and, and looked at why the grass, for example, in Ireland, in a particular place, grows so much longer than anywhere else in the whole of the, the country because they have these little microclimates. People look at wine as having microclimates. That's why, for example, if you pick up a Cabernet Sauvignon and you pour it into a glass, if it's from South Africa or if it's from California or if it's from Italy or if it's from Australia, it will taste completely different because of the unique climate and the soil and the weather that it's grown within. Now, if you look at milk and cows, exactly the same can be said for the milk that they're producing because of the grass that they're eating. And so that's why in Ireland they have some of the best dairy in the world, both from the actual milk side, but also the steak side too. And it was just fascinating. I mean, I'm, I'm very, very lucky to be able to go around the world and explore such incredible places and, and speak to such wonderful people. It, it isn't easy as well, you know, to do something like this. There are a lot of hurdles. As I've explained earlier, the only reason I'm on TV now is because Helena and I made this TV show. This is our show. We own this show. We weren't put forward as talent where we had to say, hi, will you take us on? Because for me, that just would have never happened. And so the only reason this exists is because we made it. We spoke to people within our industry and made it happen based on having built beautiful relationships over the past 30 years writing about alcohol, and it became reality. And thankfully, Amazon saw the benefit in this, which is why we have two series out and we're now in pre-production for a third. It's incredible. It's such a good show. I love it because it's very easy to watch. You know, it's one of those shows you can watch on an aeroplane. It's one of those shows you can watch just before bed when you're drifting off and it's just easy and it's engaging and it's happy. And when there's so much drama, you know, I love reality TV. So there's always drama on there or there's a proper real life drama on TV. It's escapism, but you know it's not the real world. And you know, obviously, you have to be paying attention. Whereas this is where just really nice and relaxed. And I absolutely love it, Adia. Absolutely love it. Oh, bless. We call it armchair travel for that reason. And I think that the show is actually on British Airways, Lufthansa, Iberia, and Aer Lingus, if anyone happens to be travelling on any of those airlines soon. Oh, incredible. A.D. Smith, you can watch him right now. On Amazon Prime's The Three Drinkers Ireland. And as he said, there's a Scotland series as well up there with Helen and Ethan, two amazing wine experts. Go and check them out. And thanks so much to Aidy for today. Thank you for the education and thank you for the statistics. And thank you for just allowing us to have the platform and the space to talk about what Tourette's is. Because it's not spoken about. And it's very hard to find someone to speak about it. And when I met Aidy, I thought I had to get him on the podcast just for you so you could really learn about it. And if you have learned something, please do share it on your Instagram. Tag me and AD in it and tell us what you've liked about the episode. Then go on to Apple iTunes, leave a review and a five-star comment. It's really important that you help spread the word that, number one, it's okay to not be okay. And number two, to just know what Tourette's is. You've been listening to Security and Security with me, Johnny Seifert. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 